everyone. This is John Galea, and I'm accompanied with my dad, Joseph Galea. This is Mastermind.fm. And in this episode, we're going to be treating gold as an asset class in comparison with other asset classes and also on its own. So I have a very uh, special guest today, Jan from Voima Gold. Voima Gold is a European platform for buying, selling gold and storing it there. And so he'll be helping us to delve into this topic. Welcome to the show, Ian. Thank you for having me. All right. So let's start with a brief intro about yourself and your position at Voima. Right. So my name is Jan Nieuwenhuis. I'm a gold analyst now for, I think I started in 2014 doing this professionally. Before that, I was a sound engineer in the movie industry. I happened to, after the last financial crisis in 2008, I became very interested in economics and I became a little bit uh, obsessed. So I started reading books and um, started a blog actually about gold and uh, the Chinese gold market. I did a discovery in 2013 about the size of physical gold market and that gave me quite some publicity at the time. And I was offered a job at uh, another billion dealer and uh, so since 2014 i've been um, researching gold and um, economics and everything related which is also philosophy uh, anthropology politics of course all these things if you if you look at economics in itself it's nothing actually you have to combine it with all these other things that happen in in life and to us as humans to understand what it is about Sounds similar to my experience with crypto and how that got me into all the economics and other topics. So I'm curious to see where they intersect. I know many crypto guys started off in gold. I kind of missed that run up of gold back in, I don't know, 2014. I don't know when it was exactly. Actually, earlier than that. That was before Bitcoin really started becoming popular. So I'm curious to see how gold and Bitcoin intersect in the minds of uh, of us investors and researchers and in actual life as investment assets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, to just finish my introduction, yeah. I, I started working at Voima Gold in 2017 as a researcher. It's gold. Basically, what I do is do research and I write articles about it, about gold and everything related. Yeah. All right. So about the platform, let's start with that what does the platform offer and to whom well the platform offers buying and selling gold and storing gold per gram 24 7 to whoever wants to uh, buy and sell gold uh, we take um, individual uh, retail clients as well as institutional clients at the moment it's primarily a gold broker and we offer storage uh, service so you can buy gold with us in whatever amount and you get, you know, your gold in grams, which we store in uh, Helsinki, which is one of the safest countries uh, in the world. Uh, you can also withdraw, by the way, but currently we only ship in uh, Finland. So um, I think the withdrawal option is only for Finnish people. And actually, our vision is and what we're currently working on, we spend a lot of money on research and development. What we're working on and what will happen soon is that we will offer you a sort of a bank account so uh, previously in a bank account you had a current account and a savings account now what we do is we offer you a voima account and the savings account is in physical gold it's fully backed by physical gold stored in uh, helsinki and the current account is uh, in uh, euros or dollars 
whatever you prefer. You can still make payments from your euros. Uh, you can also get a debit card uh, eventually, and uh, you can even pay with the gold then or euros. So we really want to offer something with stability. You know, banks, of course, you know, you have... Uh, if you have a bank account, you always carry the liabilities of the bank. Your your money at the bank is a loan to the bank. So we want to offer you a savings vehicle. It doesn't have counterparty risk. So you are very sure that nobody can change your your savings, actually. Gold is immutable. It has been money for 5,000 years. So uh, that's pretty safe. And we still want to offer you the benefits of making payments and, and all that. So that is the first thing we're working on and then we have a few other ideas but uh, that's basically volume in a nutshell well actually traditionally um, people used to associate paper money with um, a backup of gold held by central banks over the years the central banks departed a bit from this um, old traditional Method. Therefore, <laughs> the way uh, Voima works is, if I understand well, the traditional kind of central bank arrangement when it issues paper money. Well, what we do is it has nothing to do with a central bank because a central bank offers you just its uh, liabilities, its money. So, for example, uh, you know, in the 1970s, no, let's go further back, let's say in uh, 1890. You had the Dutch central bank, uh, they issued guilders and they were backed by gold. You could always redeem your gold. But what we do is we have the gold separate from, let's say, government uh, money. No, 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 I'm not associating you with central banks, but there is uh, a certain similarity. You know, I come to you, I, I give you money and I know that, I mean, there is gold behind my investment. Yeah. The, the only thing I want to make clear then is that when we were on a gold standard and you could redeem uh, government money for gold, there was a fixed parity. So there was a fixed price of gold, let's say, right? The euro price was fixed to a certain amount of gold. And now, of course, that is not the case. So. Yeah, and we have seen the price of gold shoot up during a range of 20 years. 20 years ago an ounce of, of gold was worth more or less uh, US dollars 300. And today it's worth 1,700 more or less. To what do you attribute the, the surge in price? Printing money, primarily. So what gold does is it retains its purchase power, right? So there is no constant in economics. According to my research, you know, there is no, like, it, this is not about physics or, or something, you know. I mean, everything that you can trade in the economy is actually, you can see it as a currency that has supply and demand and its value goes up relative to everything else. Same with gold. But gold has shown that it has the most stable purchasing power throughout history. So what you get is that if you print a lot of money, let's say euros, the value of the euros go down relative to goods and services, while the value of gold relative to goods and services uh, stays the same or goes up a little bit. That has happened in the, in the past 20 years. So the price going up, the price of gold in euros or dollars going up, is primarily, or one side of it is the value of dollars and euros is going down versus gold and goods and services. 
Do you attribute this increase in price to scarcity of gold? Yeah, or not? Yeah, yeah. Gold has a scarcity. So just like potatoes or uh, whatever bicycles and and refrigerators, you have to produce it. Or actually, the the, the supply and demand dem- dynamics of gold are a bit different than from consumer goods. But we'll talk about that later. I think. It's scarce. Yeah, you can't increase the supply uh, very fast. So uh, that's why its purchasing power relative to uh, goods and services is uh, fairly stable. Uh, one one thing I would mention here, I see it a bit differently, and I don't know if you agree with me. To me, the most uh, intriguing aspect is the devaluation of euro more than like the value increase in gold. I, I'm more impressed by like if you compare gold and euro, and you have an article about this, right? When you where you compare euro and gold, and how euro went down in value and purchasing power. So for me as an investor, as a beginner investor, maybe just seeing that graph and seeing how my hundred euro diminished in value and after ten twenty years is almost nothing, while gold maintained its purchasing power, that's quite impactful. Perhaps it's a better way to think of gold and why it should be part of your investment portfolio. But the increase that I mentioned was in US dollars, actually. So it's the same thing, no? Euro, USD. Yeah, if you look at the gold price in euros and dollars over the past 20 years, it's more or less the same. They both went up approximately by 500%. So, And what you say, uh, Jean, is, uh, is, is correct. It's actually more or less the same as what I'm saying. Yeah. It was interesting that um, between 1999 and 2002, the UK sold substantial amounts of gold holdings. I am a bit baffled by this. Why did they take that decision? Probably today they are regretting it uh, big time. What do you think about this? Yeah, it was it, it was not so smart because it was exactly the moment after which gold took off. I think it has a lot to do with the political relationship between the UK and the US. Uh, there has been throughout uh, time, nowadays, after the crisis of 2008, things have changed a little bit. But let's say before uh, 2008, and especially in the 70s and the 80s, there was a a wish, a, a goal for the, for the US government to keep the gold price uh, down. Uh, they did several things for it, like selling physical gold. But they also asked their friends, like the UK, to sell their gold. I think it was pressured by the US to sell gold at that moment. And yeah, and the UK did. And um, yeah, to no avail because it didn't really lower the price or uh, prevented the, the bull market that uh, followed it. I'm mentioning this because um, with the onset of the economic crisis triggered by COVID, those countries that have substantial reserves in gold have seen at least um, a big uplift in the in the value of their reserves. Especially, you know, if you, you mentioned the USA and the largest EU countries that hold 70% of their foreign exchange reserves in gold, they have seen a revaluation uplift in the value of their investments. Whereas the UK um, had to settle for much less. Of course, um, that's true. Yeah, what can I add? It's it's the, the US, uh, the Eurozone are both world reserve currencies. So 
and they have a history of you know a lot of economic growth so and it was during the gold standard so they accumulated a lot of gold europe sold a lot of gold in the 90s uh, but they still have more the eurozone still has more gold than uh, the us and because they issue world reserve currencies they don't need to have a lot of international reserves because they don't need to defend their currency that much. So that's why it, for them, it's a little bit easier to have a large portion in gold. Unlike, for example, the Chinese, they have a lot of foreign exchange reserves and also other countries in um, in Asia, especially after the Asian crisis uh, in the late 90s. They think they have to have these foreign exchange reserves to defend their currency. And the countries that issue a world reserve currency don't need those foreign exchange reserves. And uh, and they still have the gold from the past. Well, with this increase in price, um, the world's biggest producers of gold, that are China, Australia, USA, Russia, South Africa, do you think that they will intensify their efforts to, to um, produce more more gold? Yeah, this is basic economics. I mean, if uh, the gold price goes up, it becomes more profitable to mine for gold. Also, the oil price, for example, plays in. If you have some gold, uh, it's quite known where certain gold deposits are, and uh, you can calculate how much it will cost to get it out. If the gold price is low, you can't get it out because you won't make a profit. If the gold price goes up, yeah, gold miners will will get it out and... uh, Gold mining will uh, likely um, increase gold mine output. But can there be some environmental um, limitations and constraints on this? Yeah, of course, the whole world is changing and um, it can have a a big impact. But there are certain associations for this. Uh, For example, the London Billion Market Association, it has the refineries that the miners sell to and refineries have their due diligence for the mining companies. So the really big miners have to be careful not to, you know, uh, hire uh, children uh, for labor and and do harm to the environment. And of course, this topic is much more important now than it was 20 years ago. So it can be more difficult in this way for miners to cheaply extract gold from the earth, but they will find a way. And in terms of quality of gold, which is the country that produces the best quality of gold or, or refinement of gold? Gold is a uh, physical element and every gold is the same. So if you get gold from the ground or from wherever, you can also uh, you know, find it in riverbeds. With, uh, you can get it through panning. You know, you have these uh, images maybe. You see people with a, with a gold pan looking for little snippets. Uh, anyway, if you get it, if you mine it and, and bring it to the refinery, um, it's usually 90% pure. There's some uh, often some, some silver and other precious metals uh, in it. And then the refinery refines it to, let's say, nowadays the, the standard is four nines. So you get uh, 99.99% pure gold. And of course, the gold itself... For example, if you buy uh, a gold bar of 400 ounce or one ounce, you only pay for the fine content, for the gold weight that is in the gold bar. And all gold is the same. I mean, every gold molecule is the same as, as all other ones. And the refinery puts on the gold bar how what's, what the finest is of, of, of the gold bar. But why, why are they graded? For example, 17 carats, 20 carats, 24 carats? That is because gold in itself is very soft. 
for example, if you wear it as jewelry in the West, we like to add a little bit of silver and a little bit of copper in it. So it becomes harder. Uh, it becomes a, a harder uh, mix. If you add 10% of other metals in it and it becomes more durable. So it doesn't get scratchy or loses a little bit of weight. So then all these, what I just talked about was purities in percentages and you can have the same scale in, in carats. So for 24 carats is pure gold. 22 is, is uh, I believe, 91.6% pure and so forth. If you don't have a lot of money, you can maybe buy 14 carat gold, right? Because it's still gold, but it's a little bit more silver in it. And uh, In general, it looks the same. I mean, for me, um, it's difficult for me to... <laughs> Um, differentiate between <laughs> a low carat and a high carat gold, but for the professional, possibly it's different. Yeah, well, you know, me as a gold analyst, I don't very often have gold in my hand. You know, I just look at Excel sheets and then do my um, <laughs> research in, in that way. I look at a screen all day, basically. You can see some beautiful, uh, I just saw the other day, a beautiful helmet from uh, ancient Sumer. So this golden helmet from a very wealthy, probably politician, beautiful made. It's from uh, 2000 before Christ, I believe. But it was only 16 karat gold I read below the picture, and I couldn't see it. It was just still uh, very nice. But yeah, if you, I think if you line them all up, you can see the difference between them in color. It, it depends on, on the lighting, uh, lighting in, in uh, photography and, and stuff. But the prices on the international markets, um, I think they are uh, for a 24 karat gold, right? Like if you see the spot price of gold, that's always the price for a 400 ounce gold bars located in London. That's a spot price that, that you see on the screen. That is for the pure weight of the gold. So 24 carats, so to say. If I am an investor, what advice would you give me in terms of percentage maybe that I should hold in precious metals? And what percentage I should hold in gold and silver and platinum, palladium? What well, are your views? First of all, I don't know, like platinum and palladium in gold and silver, Actually, first gold was, according to my research, first gold was discovered about in the 5th millennium BC. And silver came a little bit later because silver doesn't lay in the riverbeds. So there's no placer uh, silver. Platinum and palladium were discovered much, much, much earlier. Earlier, So only, I think, like 150 years ago, they discovered platinum as, you know, to mine. And it's usually used as an industrial product. So... Gold really has this store of value property to it. And the thing with gold is, and silver as well, but especially gold, gold has very low industrial applications. So gold is hardly used in industries. You know, they use it a little bit for a helmet on uh, on a NASA, uh, uh, for, for a rocket, and some dentists still use it in, in Asia or something, but very little industrial applications. So most of the gold is used for money a store value also the jewelry is a store value and because gold has been used as a store value for so long and also because it's immutable and it uh, doesn't corrode and it's uh, you know it's 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 infinite uh, how do you say uh, immortal sorry yeah. the annual mine supply that is being added to the above ground stock of gold is only one and a half percent so the above ground amount of gold is let's say 195,000 tons 
by now. And every year, only 3,000 tons are added. So that gives you a very uh, high stock-to-flow ratio, which also plays into why the purchasing power and the, the value of gold is so, let's say, stable. So gold is the ultimate store of value. And if you want to buy gold, you should see it as not an investment, like with stocks. With stocks, you can you know invest and you get a dividend and it can go up in value. And there's also a certain risk to it. And you get a risk return decision uh, balance from, from the stock. Gold is more an insurance on your savings, right? I mean, uh, its purchasing power, let's say it can go up. It has been going up for 20 years also now. But I try to focus on it more as, or I like to see it more as something that preserves its purchasing power and is an insurance on your uh, savings. That is what gold does. Now, silver is a little bit more speculative because it's, first of all, about 100 years ago, it started being used a lot more in industries, first in photography, now in solar panels and a lot more industries. So it has become this schizophrenic metal. It's an industrial metal. But also it has still this store value and currency aspect to it. But to me, silver is a little bit losing its its monetary purpose because in the old days, let's say, I don't know, doesn't matter, 200 years ago, gold was primarily used as a store of value and silver more as a medium of exchange because gold is much more expensive. You couldn't go to the bakery with a gold coin. It was, you know, it was like going to the bakery with a thousand euros didn't make sense. So they used silver for daily payments. But because we have technology now and we can, for example, at Voima, you can open a Voima account and you can buy and sell, you know, gold in three places after the comma, after three, three decimals. So we don't really need silver anymore. So in my view, and that's also why the gold-silver ratio is so high now, my view, silver is a little bit losing its monetary purpose. So investing in silver is a little bit more speculative. You can also see it in the charts of the past decades. It's more volatile. So you can also, I only also have, have silver. It's more speculative, more to make a little profit. Then I see my gold holdings, which I really keep to preserve my purchasing power and be protected from financial turmoil and money printing and everything that people can do with paper money. Therefore, as an investor who wants to diversify his portfolio, do you think that gold, having withstood the test of time over the, you know, the centuries, being used for the World Cup of football, it's a, that's quite emblematic. Actually, I think it's the only major sports cup in the world made of gold. Well, all and, the Olympic medals are also gold. But. And the and the Olympic medals, uh, where you have the gold, the silver, and then the bronze. Therefore, the gold is always associated with, with the best. Yeah. And something that uh, always is there and gives you value. Therefore, when you have a number of equities, you know, bonds, whatever, you balance it out with gold. Therefore, if there is a recession and the value of your holdings and equities and bonds goes down, usually I think that this is balanced off by an increase in value in gold yeah. and in precious metals. And this is also the case that that's being touted for cryptocurrencies, for example. Mm. <laughs> it's quite, quite interesting. I think this can be a very good option for investors looking for 
a sort of hedge on their investments to balance their investments and spread and allocate a percentage to, uh, for example, cryptos, percentage to gold, percentage to equities, whatever, because we have seen spectacular crashes in equities, oil, you know. Therefore, having a balanced portfolio, I think, gives uh, a lot of peace of mind to investors. But um, I think that most investors fear that buying gold, and especially when you don't hold it in your hands at home, in your safe or wherever, maybe they feel a bit not really safe. Therefore, in the case of Voima, what peace of mind do you give to the investors if I invest 10,000 euros in gold? What peace of mind can you give me about its safety? Yeah, well, we have done everything to to make it as safe as possible. So what we have done is we have made our own chain of integrity. That means that we make our own gold bars at uh, refineries in Switzerland. So we don't buy gold bars from, from other brands. We really have our own gold bars made. We have our own high security vault where we store the gold. So we don't trust on, like, say, third-party vault operators or uh, different brands of gold. We really do it all ourselves. Then we have an auditor that audits the gold uh, every three months. Gold is insured, fully insured. And we also have an an assay company just to make everything sure uh, that comes in every, no, twice a year in the vault to do random checks if the gold is the purity that says on the bar. So, and those are all third-party uh, entities. So we don't, you know, we don't audit the gold ourselves. Of course we do, but it wouldn't be credible. So we have all these third-party entities to audit the gold, insure the gold. Of course, the insurance company has inspected our grounds, you know, the premises and and, and, and the safety of the vault and everything. We have done, done a lot of uh, work on that. And this is how we secure the gold and, and offer security for uh, our customers. But you can also, of course, you know, whatever you feel safe with, you can also withdraw all the gold and, and store it at home. I used to do that when I started buying, you know, I started buying with one and two coins. But eventually I had a, you know, some gold in, at my place and I didn't really feel comfortable because you always... At the feeling of, um, yeah, if somebody could break in, you could, they could steal the gold. So it's better to have it at a safe uh, vault uh, operator. Yeah, it depends. Of course, uh, you can also build your own vault. This is something that people have to make their own decision uh, in. Uh, for example, some people have store some silver coins at home and they have their gold at a, at a storage uh, company. We, of course, uh, provide uh, the best security, but um, uh, yeah, everybody makes its own decision in, in terms. And how of is Voima regulated, and uh, what kind of license uh, does it possess? That's a difficult question. I don't know. Um, actually, what kind of licenses? Licenses from who? You mean like uh, financial authorities? Is there a regulator? Yeah, that oversees. You know, you said you mentioned an auditor, but is this imposed by the insurance companies or by the regulator? By us. By us, because we want to do everything uh, that we can do to show our clients that the gold is safe with us, right? So we hired the third-party auditor, PricewaterhouseCoopers. We hired an insurance company to insure the gold and, and the assay laboratory. 
in terms of licenses, yeah, I don't really know. I mean, does the stock market have a license? Yeah, they do, but uh, SEC. Yeah, they all have. Yeah. Well, the thing is that governments have been discouraging you from buying gold. So actually, to give you a, a small example, in the Netherlands, there was a pension fund a couple of years ago, and they wanted to have 5% of their uh, money uh, invested in gold. And then the central bank said, no, that's too much. You should have less gold in your portfolio, right? This was at a time, things are changing now. This was at a time that they were really against gold. They were fighting against gold. So um, this isn't really something that the regulators are keen on to give you a label or a license or uh, some kind of uh, badge that it's all safe. I mean, this is something that we as the people of bottom-up development have uh, have started to embrace again, let's say from, from the early 2000s, because uh, monetary, uh, at, at the moment, gold was... Let's say the economy was was really booming and everybody thought, oh, we don't need gold. And then a few people thought, well, yeah, the economy is booming, but a lot of money is being printed. And, you know, with the first bubbles, the tech uh, stock bubble and, and so forth. So there was a bottom up. Um, of course, in the East, they kept their gold all along, but there was a bottom up development in the West again to start uh, investing or uh, um, owning gold again. Um, so I hope that that gives a little bit of an answer to your to your question, uh, but I, I couldn't tell what kind of license we have. Uh, well, usually actually. the licenses are are there to ensure that uh, it's a professional setup that you have. You know, you have qualified staff. Um, that's not a scam, basically. Um, that that uh, you report, you you're inspected. You produce financial statements, uh, the type of auditor you mentioned, PwC, obviously uh, one of the top uh, firms. <laughs> Actually, I used to work with them. Those are normally um, the reasons why such uh, uh, entities are are licensed, just to make sure that they are professional. And since they are taking money from the general public, uh, governments usually make sure that uh, there wouldn't be uh, any semi-informed or uninformed investors um, who bite into something that explodes in their face, uh, ultimately. This yeah. is basically the reason. And I wanted to ask you also, um, how do you compare with your competitors? And uh, what kind of cutting edge do you have in the market? Before you answer that, I think it would be interesting to compare with other direct competitors, as in platforms, and other ways of obtaining gold or exposure to gold. For example, ETFs, or you know, we mentioned the storage of gold, buying and storing your own gold. And I think as an investor, what's held me back from buying gold is this indecision between not knowing which way of buying is best. I would like to explore the different ways of buying and gaining exposure to gold as an investment because yeah. i'm pretty much convinced that part of it should be in my portfolio and secondly for example i had looked at bullionvault.com which is another mm-hmm. platform which i believe is more or less similar to what you guys do mm-hmm. and actually i i haven't come across many platforms and other like in stocks you there's a million platforms but in gold there are very few that i came across and for example, Bullion Vault, uh, the website, it seemed quite uh, antiquated for me. So when I came across Voima, 
I said, like, this is, it's younger as a platform. So maybe there's a question of, is it trustworthy? But the, the looks of it, I come from the web scene. So I was much more attracted to the modern platform that is Voima versus others. But yeah, that's the kind of questions that I have going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, first I was maybe I want to like to uh, Joseph. Yeah, we have also like a prospectus uh, for institutional investors, and we produce financial statements. So we try to do everything to be a reliable company and to to show this uh, to our clients. And then to to your question. Well, first of all, okay, let's start with uh, investing in physical gold versus in in you know stored at at a, a vault operator or at home versus ETFs. The thing with gold is does it, it it's the only and this is recognized by the IMF, the International Monetary Fund, gold is the only financial asset universally accepted without counterparty risk. It does not have any counterparty risk as a financial asset. All stocks, bonds, currencies, derivatives, you name it have counterparty risk. So the economy and the financial system have become very complicated. It has grown a lot being supported by bubbles, bubble economics. And if you want to insure yourself, you can't find an insurance within the system to insure yourself against the system. You saw this with uh, with AIG, for example. Uh, so these, you know, in 2008, and uh, I don't know if you have the this in your mind still but uh, you had a lot of derivatives and they collapsed and then the insurance on the um, derivatives couldn't pay out because yeah it was an an, an insurance company that has uh, its its own losses and they needed a bailout and etc etc so gold is you know you insure yourself with something from outside the uh, financial system and it doesn't have any counterparty risk now the big spot of course of the financial system is the banks if you, for example, invest money in uh, a gold ETF, you have GLD, it's the biggest uh, gold ETF now. That has an, I wrote an article about it. What I saw, it was uh, it has like five or six entities in the chain. You have a trustee, you have a sponsor, you have a custodian, you have authorized participants. Those are all banking entities. If anything goes wrong in the financial system, and if any of those entities collapses or uh, has to close doors for, you know, has a bank holiday, then your ETF is or closed or, you know, your gold can be gone. There is counterparty risks in these uh, ETFs. Now, of course, the, the advantage of an ETF is that you can just buy and sell it through your normal brokerage account. But it's an illogic way of having exposure to the gold price. Now, there are institutions that buy GLD, these ETFs, because they have to. For example, in America, uh, a lot of funds are not allowed to own commodities outright. So they have to buy securities. And of course, an ETF is a security. So if they want to have exposure to the price of gold, they have to buy an ETF such as GLD. I think just to just to interject, for those who follow the crypto space, that's one thing that's been mentioned a lot, that we need an ETF. So that institutions would be more inclined to come into the space because they would be able to buy the ETF rather than just buy this Bitcoin and not know how to store it, etc. But just a small aside about crypto, because I see a lot of uh, similarities between gold and Bitcoin especially. I agree. And it, it would be good for Bitcoin. And it is also good for gold that it exists. 
because you know it just adds more opportunities to and you know it 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 does impact the price i mean all these etfs are backed by physical gold it's just for me not the way to own it but it is good that you know it it has opened doors for many let's say retail investors but also institutional investors and for bitcoin as well to develop and mature um, but uh, I would advise to uh, own physical gold stored outside the banking system. All right. So like in, in Bitcoin, there's this saying that, you know, for sure, it's uh, not your keys, not your Bitcoin. So the, the idea is that you should hold your Bitcoin yourself because storing it and as an exchange, there's the counterparty risk. Since I'm used to that, I've struggled with kind of buying gold and then holding it an exchange basically no so i think from that aspect that's where i struggle most i don't feel comfortable holding gold at home you know because for many reasons you mentioned some mostly it's security and just feeling the heaviness of trying to to secure something which is not easy to do but then storing at an exchange makes me feel uncomfortable the etf i think for many people, gives them kind of the abstraction. So we trust ETFs because we're used to them. And so that's the thing maybe that we need to delve a bit deeper in. Like how, what are the reasons for trusting these platforms? Well, the thing is that, I don't know, uh, everybody has a different friends. You say people trust ETFs. You have, I don't know if you know, Exter's inverse pyramid. And you can see gold at the bottom with zero counterparty risk. And then above that is like paper money and government uh, bonds. And at, at the end, you have derivatives. And ETFs are also derivatives. Uh, so what you saw, for example, when gold, of, uh, sorry, oil went negative, it went to minus 40. There was a lot of stress in the oil market and some uh, oil ETFs stop trading, right? So that's a lot of counterparty risk. So the e these ETFs are not a very trustworthy in my uh, opinion. It's more or less uh, just to yeah, invest and speculate instead of being, you know, getting the insurance that, that uh, gold has to offer. I agree with, with ETFs for sure. But what I meant is that the general public might be more familiar with ETFs rather than buying gold from a platform that's my yeah thing. i think the um, investors are all familiar with the etfs because investors trade through, uh, through uh, brokers you know stocks and yeah. bonds and they see the etfs and that's familiar to them and so this storing physical gold um, outside the banking system is is maybe more uh, strange to them whereas for me you know i'm 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 not really an investor. I've never worked at a bank or, or uh, I only worked for, for two billion dealers now. So for me, the storing gold outside the banking system is very normal. And, uh, you know, I, I compare like Bullion Vault with my company or with Gold Money or uh, my previous company, Billion Star, about how they audit uh, the gold, uh, what they have uh, for security measures, the vaulting structure, etc. I'm pro Bitcoin, uh, by the way. I think it's a great invention and um, I don't own it at the moment, but it's a bottom-up invention and, and I hope it will uh, continue to stay with us, not for a store of value, maybe for some other great purposes. But I also think that, that it would be nice that, that people want trusted Bitcoin uh, storage service. You know, if you have a lot of value in Bitcoin, it can be, can be stressful to 
keep the passwords or and it's also something you know i've experienced with this i actually lost five bitcoins in 2011 damn shame but um uh, it's also something sometimes uh, you want to buy some more bitcoins or sell something and if that happens for example once a year you have to get in all the technology and everything all the software has been updated and and you you feel unfamiliar with the new software and you're kind of doubting if your bitcoins are still there right bitcoin has has proven to be trusted but these are things that you maybe want to maybe you want to have a just like a gold uh, storage company you you like a bitcoin storage company that does this for you this service and you trust them and in a free market, of course, you know, if you have no central banks backing banks, uh, but it's a different story. But in a free market, companies want to make, you know, want to do the best they can and, and offer you the best uh, protection. So I think there are a lot of good gold storage companies and uh, I hope Bitcoin uh, they will be launched as well. As you mentioned that uh, you don't agree that Bitcoin can be a store of value. The thing is that I think when it started, and if you read the white paper, it says that it's a, it's a medium of exchange. I own Bitcoin from 2011 to uh, 2017. I kept track of the market a little bit. Uh, so it went from a medium of exchange to uh, blockchain technology that will change everything in economics to, oh, it's a store of value. And now it's just an, but it's still very volatile. So it's now a very speculative asset that actually correlates with stocks. So we don't really know what it is. Uh, I think it's it's a store of value uh, because people think it's money. You know, uh, some people have even used it as a unit of account or still as a as a medium of exchange. Although it's a little bit clumsy, it, it can be a store of value. Of course, I mean, if if a few people see it as a store of value, it's a store of value. But of course, it's very young and it's very volatile. Uh, so yeah, it's a young a young asset. You don't see it replacing gold long term. Not, not, not soon. Not soon. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, uh, gold has uh, also, yeah. I mean, we, we can dive into all these differences between gold and and Bitcoin. But I, I guess you've done that uh, previously on 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 the podcast. You know, gold is immutable. It's a physical element. We really can't change gold. So it's, it's you know, you 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 can't lose it, or you know, unless somebody steals it. Uh, so. And by the way, gold has the advantage that it has a 5,000-year history with us and central banks all have gold in their vaults and it's very evenly distributed now among the population of the world. So if there would be, for example, monetary reset, it would be more obvious to do it with gold than to do it with Bitcoin. But, you know, Bitcoin can rise and can develop and it can find its place and, you know, uh, everything changes always. So... We'll see what happens, but um, for the moment, yeah, uh, gold is is a safer bet. Uh, Bitcoin is, is more of a speculative asset still. One of the criticisms leveled at cryptocurrencies is the fact that they can lend themselves to crime, you know, to the promulgation of crime, criminality, you know, money laundering, um, armaments, or, or or drugs. In the case of gold and Voima, what kind of screening do you do to prevent uh, any criminal activity? Well, we are actually very keen on that. And it also says in the prospectus uh, that we have, and we have a lawyer employed for all these things. And we 
so we do KYC and, and, and AML checks. So if you open up a Voima account, we, uh, you know, we have to see your ID and, and ask a few questions to really know who you are. And uh, we we cooperate with with regulators. So um, yeah, we try to do anything. Also, I didn't mention this previously, and maybe this ties into the the question you had about the environment. We aim to source as much as gold as possible from Nordic recycled gold. So uh, I just said we we make our gold bars in uh, in Switzerland and have it uh, shipped to uh, Helsinki. Of course, that gold can can come from from everywhere, and we don't really know. But we also source it from recycled gold in in Finland and other countries in Scandinavia. And of course, then we can know where it's from and we scan those those sellers to us and make sure it's not, you know, it's not any conflict gold or whatever. And it's better for for the environment, of course. I mean, the part that we buy from recycled gold, we kind of know it it doesn't come from a a dirty mine somewhere in uh, Brazil. And in terms of taxation... What is the position? Because in many countries, for example, in Europe, in the European Union, there is no VAT on the sale of bullion gold, as opposed to gold, which is manufactured sort of into into something decorative. What's the position? Um, If I invest with you in gold and I have to buy and sell, what's the position in terms of VAT and income tax? There is no VAT uh, across Europe that I know of, uh, and also in other countries, because it's it's more or less treated as a currency. Also, if you read like very dry uh, documentation of the IMF and the BIS, gold is the only commodity that is treated as a currency. So, you know, there there's no VAT on dollars uh, neither. So, um, and there is VAT at least in the in the eurozone on uh, silver. Because it's more seen as an industrial product. So there's no VAT on gold. And the other question was, was about sales tax? Yes, um, no, income tax. Capital income gains. Tax. I actually don't know. I don't know. That would depend on each country, I imagine, on how they treat it. Yeah, I think there will be country. Voima would go into that aspect. I mean, for sure, they won't. Voima doesn't deduct taxes. For its customers, I, I imagine. Well, it depends. If if it is deemed, if the transaction is deemed to take place in Finland, if you're um, established in Finland, maybe there can be a tax in Finland that has to be paid. Then it then it would depend on the double taxation treaty between Finland and the country of the investor. Okay, I I don't know. Uh, we at Voima don't do anything with respect to uh, income tax. So I think it's we have customers from all over the world, uh, I think more than 30 countries now. And I think it's to the customer itself if it has an income gain to to manage this with his uh, uh, government. It's it's uh, it's out of our hands uh, in any case. Okay. Just to maybe to wrap up, I would love to, if you could walk us through, say I have 10,000 euro to invest walk us through how to do it and perhaps the fees and how to sell it eventually if i want to kind of do some trades and uh, play around with it a bit and before we do so i would like to also confirm whether you allow both private investors and corporate investors to yeah if there are any significant differences between the two accounts 
No, there are no differences really between the accounts or not in pricing. Uh, of course, uh, as an individual or a retail client, you can just open up an account and it's quite straightforward. If the organization you work for requires an organization account, we have these as well, so people can sign up. Uh, but you, you would go for you know the you know your client on the ultimate beneficiaries. I would I would imagine. And you in the know your client uh, exercise now on corporates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then if a corporate wants to sign up with a corporate account, first the one of the employees of the of the corporation has to make an individual account, and then you apply for an organization account, as we call it. And then we go through, uh, I guess, a more uh, more detailed process of of scanning uh, the client and uh, ask them uh, what more they they uh, require from us. And to go back to your question um, about investing ten thousand euros in uh, in gold, well, what I really like is we also have an application for iOS and uh, Android, so it's very easy to just download the application or use the app on uh, on a desktop. And it's it's actually quite straightforward. Uh, you have the account once you have gone through the uh, KYC process, which takes about an hour. Um, you can wire funds uh, to us through an uh, IBAN account, IBAN, and it goes. I think we. I don't know if it's live yet because we just went into a collaboration with the Transwire, so it should be even faster now. And you can deposit gold and, and buy and sell uh, immediately. The fees are 2% for uh, a buy and sell order uh, because, you know, we it's it's higher than, for example, bullion gold you just mentioned because we have our gold in Finland and we have a little bit of a different supply chain. And, and that's about it, um, about that, actually. And there are any yearly ongoing feeds for storage? Yeah, it's 1% per year, and that is with the insurance and, and everything in it. Yeah, And 1% of the market value um, prevailing at the end of the year, for example, or how, how, it's, how is it worked out? We uh, subtract it in, in grams. So, for example, if you have 1,000 grams or 100 grams uh, stored uh, at us, we subtract 1% of your gold from your account as a storage fee at the end of the year. Yeah, but the percentage is applied on the value of the uh, on the weight, the gold. Oh, on the weight. Okay. Yeah. But at the end of the year, or as an average of the value throughout the year? Well, the weight is 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 constant throughout the year, so that's really uh, right. Ah, you just yeah, you just read. okay. Yeah, it's about the weight. All right. And then to sell and buy is easy, like buying and selling stocks. I yeah, with the, uh, I sometimes play around with uh, with the app on uh, on my phone, and it's uh, it's it's really fast. You can just flip in and out of gold. Uh, you know, if you have so if you open a Voima account now, and I just mentioned, you first have to wire uh, money, of course, to the account. You have the the in my case the euro account and the physical gold account. Once I have euros in my uh, euro account. I can, you know, within a second, I can uh, move into gold and out of it. I can buy and sell very uh, quickly. Awesome. All right. Avoiding the whole intersection between crypto and and gold, because that would be material for another episode. Uh, I think we've covered everything I had in mind. Um, 
I don't know if my dad has any other questions. Well, I think uh, it has been a very comprehensive overview, very exhaustive. Thank you very much, Jan. For, it was a pleasure having you. For those who are listening, I would really recommend Jan's research uh, on, Voima, on Voima's website. I found it very interesting. Uh, it's a very good uh, way of explaining stuff. So, And I'm going to be going back to reading more and more of the articles there. So, and I was actually wondering whether you had any other recommendations for people who are just starting out with this asset class and want to learn more. Uh, where where should they go apart from Voima's insights on the blog? Difficult question. I actually, in last month, I've only been uh, busy with uh, building the website. We've built a, a new website. And yeah, like I said, I'm, I'm the researcher of the company. I've, some questions you asked me were kind of difficult because I'm not on the sales uh, side of the company. But um, so, yeah, what I do is I, I try to uh, write uh, articles about uh, what happens in, in, in the gold market and also in, in terms of value, of course, and what maybe to expect going forward. But I also wrote a couple of things on uh, just, I call them uh, evergreens or timeless articles on, you know, what is gold? How long has it been around? What are the performances of the gold price and its, its purchasing power throughout uh, the millennia, but also uh, in the last uh, couple of decades and hundred years. Uh, and those pages will be live, I guess, within one or two weeks. And it will be, really be uh, interesting for people that are new to gold to also get an introduction. So all those pages will be on the Voima uh, website as well. Other advices? Yeah, maybe there are any books that have stood the test of time or are like must read for gold investors. I don't know. Uh, it's such a difficult question. I get I get it a lot actually, and I, I really don't know. You know, the stuff I read is all, all also very nerdy and 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 uh, and and technical and etc. So I don't really know the. There, I guess there are a lot of popular uh, books on gold and and you know about the basics, but I I kind of pass that and I don't really know. I'm looking around in my house now <laughs> to see. For me, it started with a Dutch guy in 2010, uh, Willem Middelkoop, and and I guess yeah, uh, maybe you know people like James Turk or uh, the uh, some of these uh, familiar um, what's this other? John Butler, I guess. You have some famous uh, gold commentators that have written books on gold that I really didn't read because they're about the basics, and 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 uh, I kind of passed that. Is there an equivalent of crypto Twitter, like gold Twitter? Where I don't know if you're familiar with crypto Twitter, with all these guys. Uh, Twitter is actually a very good place of getting the latest news. Or I don't know how reliable the news is, but there's a lot of action going on in the crypto space there. Uh, I don't know if there's something yeah. similar with gold as well. You mean nice uh, Twitter accounts to yeah, follow yeah. on uh, gold? Well, myself, you can follow uh, Jan Nieuwenhuis on <laughs> <course>. Twitter. <laughs> I keep you up to date. But um, yeah, same. I, I, I uh, follow some really the, the, the nerds, the professionals about things that happen in the futures market and, and, and stuff like that. So okay. uh, I can give you some names. I like to follow Brun Sacecki, uh, John Reed, Sam Laxo from my company. Um, um, what else? Oh, uh, JP Koning, uh, George Selgin. Those are economists. 
those are the people I like to follow. Those are voices that, you know, have for me uh, stood the test of time in terms of credibility and they don't shout anything and, and, and just to sell gold or whatever. They just, they're really credible on the news and, and, and provide interesting information. Excellent. And, you, and you're right. Um, actually, I came across your writing because you have a very good way of translating all this technical stuff and different areas into concise articles, which make it easy for beginners to understand, while also giving some really fascinating facts about gold and its performance. So, so thank you for that. So yeah, it's very nice to hear. I mean, uh, you know, when I started with economics in um, started reading about economics uh, in 2010, uh, it was just so uh, complicated, and I didn't know, and I didn't know where to find the information. And it was it has been a really really long journey for me to find out the basics and then more. And now I'm I'm really happy to convey these, you know, uh, certain essentials about gold and and uh, to reach people uh, so thanks uh, for saying that welcome uh, when you talk about economics is it about the maybe austrian economics as well because in crypto there's a lot of like austrian economics is so awesome and there's this uh was a keynesian keynesian against uh, the austrian view of uh, of the economy yeah. which is really interesting as well yeah, it is interesting. Well, in terms of yeah, those uh, kinds of schools, schools of uh, thought, I don't want to put myself in in one corner uh, because it would limit my thinking. You know, uh, it would be a bit ridiculous to, or maybe you know, if you feel really connected to the Austrian school of uh, economics, it, it makes sense. But for me, you know, I rather stay objective and stay. I don't belong anywhere. You know, I want to be flexible. If I see, yeah. for example, if I read a book that changes my mind about everything, I want to change my mind there and then right so um i never say i i fully believe in austrian economics or whatever i like to to um to swim around and 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 find bits and uh pieces of the puzzle and 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 uh stick them together i agree all right so again thank you very much for being with us today and good luck with uh, with voima i hope the platform will keep growing and I'm looking forward to invest myself. Thanks again. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Mastermind.fm. If you liked what you heard in today's episode, please head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your feedback encourages us to keep producing the kind of content that you have come to rely on for your own entrepreneurial journey. And if you have a question or topic you'd like us to cover on the show, send it to us through our website or via email at podcast at mastermind.fm or even connect with us on Twitter at mastermind.fm. We look forward to hearing from you and hope you have a fantastic week.